0: So the gangs made a truce and told Rosie, you will have the best security you have ever seen. We didn't have the hire security because the Crips of the Bloods were protecting the tent meeting.
1: That is <laughs> awesome.
0: You know, it's almost like having mafia protection for your, <laughs> your business. We had LA gangs protecting the tent meeting. <laughs> and and they would I love it. Some of their foot soldiers around the property to to, and just, they just look at people a certain way, you know? And it's like, I ain't gonna mess with this, you know? We never had one thing stolen or tent ropes cut or any threats or any, I mean, we were completely protected.
1: That's cool. Isn't
0: that wild?
1: Oh, it's no. a great
0: day. We saw so many people saved and drug addicts delivered. Gang bangers put their, weapons down and some of them are still in the ministry today welcome to the living by grace podcast with al jennings when you receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness you will reign in life listen in as we discuss the effortless life of god's grace
1: welcome everybody to the show i'm excited about our guest david orton let me introduce him and we're going to dive right in Um, Pastor David Horton is president of David Horton Ministries and the lead pastor of Grace Harvest Church in Holiday, Florida. He's been in the ministry for over 35 years, preaching around the world in varied venues, including open air crusades, tent meetings, and seminars. Pastor David not only preaches the love and saving power of God, but also the miracle-working power of God. He's an ordained bishop with the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, as well as an ordained minister with Rama Ministerial Ministerial Association International. I should know how to say that because I'm in that association. (laughs) (laughs) And David is the author of several published books and has appeared on various Christian television programs, including the Trinity Broadcasting Network. So, everybody, welcome to the show, David Horton.
0: What's up, David? Hey, everything's good. Everything's good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was telling David in the pre-show that he's an OG, man. He's been around for a while. We're going to talk about some uh, some of those stories from the old days. I wish he was here so he could play this piano in the back of me. <laughs> he's also a <laughs> musician. Uh, actually, David's dad, Doc Horton, who's he's with the Lord right now, but he uh, was one of my instructors at Raymond. Both David and I are Raymond graduates, and uh, I always enjoyed Doc's stories. And, and like father, like son, David's got a lot of stories, man. And we're going to get into some of those. But uh, hey, David, man, um, again, it's just so so good to have you. So much I want I want to talk to you about. But were you in the first graduating class at Raymond?
0: I was not. I was in, uh, let's see, that would have been 74, 75. Uh, I was uh, graduated in 70, 78. I, was, I, went, I, I moved to Tulsa in July of 77 to play the organ the Hammond B3 <laughs> wow. so Hagen's camp meeting that year. And then they just sort of, um, uh, kidnapped me after that. So <laughs> <laughs> I was in like the third, the third or fourth, uh, graduating class.
1: Yeah. Walk us through some of those early days traveling with, uh, Kenneth Hagan. Cause I know you, you were close to the Hagen family.
0: Yes. Uh, well, what had happened is, uh, and boy, this, this this would be a great story, but I won't, I won't get in the weeds with all these stories. But my family, my dad was pastoring. Uh, I'll give you just a, a quick rundown. My dad was pastoring a, 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 a Church of God church in Augusta, Georgia in the late 60s. And my family was praying, my mom and dad were, were praying uh, for the Lord to send them somebody that could teach them maybe, you know, some deeper things of God. Uh, and that's that's no slam against the denomination or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you have to reach outside your group to maybe find something else. You know, that's uh, yeah. maybe somebody God's using somebody else to say something that maybe everybody you know doesn't know yet. And, so, and that's mm-hmm. not uh, an indictment against your group. But it, it, we're all like, you know, we all need to keep reaching and saying, well, hey, that we all we know what we're saying. What is somebody else maybe saying? Maybe God's using someone else, you know, with a voice and a, and a message. And thank God he was. Uh, so they're praying. And long story short, uh, a guy named Norval Hayes showed up on our doorstep. And uh, mm-hmm. next thing you know, my dad was introduced to Kenneth Hagan. A um, few months go by and Brother Hagin's at our church in Augusta preaching. So I, um, I, I turned 13 during the meeting. I had my, you know, my birthday <laughs> during Brother <laughs> Hagin's in uh, February of 1970. So that's, that's when I was first exposed to Kenneth Hagen as a teenager. And um the Lord spoke to him during that meeting and told him he said now that boy there the pastor's boy said so when when he grows up and you know graduates high school or gets college age and is able to get away from his family <laughs> you know to to, to to leave I want you to take him under your wing I want you to mentor him and father him in in uh, the ministry I'm going to hold you responsible to see that he makes it into the ministry and of course, I had always vowed I, I didn't want to be in the ministry <laughs> because I, uh, I always said, I don't want to be broke. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, because, you know, <laughs> ministry, they didn't get paid all that well back in those days. And so I just thought, I don't want to be broke and always have to drive a used car and, you know, borrow somebody else's <laughs> tools and, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So I'm not going to be in the ministry. I'll, I'll serve God and, you know, love God, but I'm not going to be a preacher because that's the, like, that's just the worst job ever. So I just, I just, uh, <laughs> I just saw that and uh, made my declaration, but, but God didn't care about my declaration. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I got, not only my mother is praying for me, you know, to, to follow God, but, and the will of God, you know, for, for, for my life. But now I got Kenneth Hagan on my, on my back and, you know, he won't let me go. <laughs> the first time he called and said, uh, I want you to come out to Tulsa and play for my meetings. I said, no, I don't want to do that. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the next year he shows back up in Atlanta for a, Big conference, and that he's you know rented the civic center, and um, he, by then the Lord had dealt with my heart, and I told the Lord, all right, if you want me to still go with this guy I'll and 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 be a part, you know, of his ministry, you're going to have to have him bring it up. I'm not going to uh, go to him and say, is that offer still good? You know, so I just uh, I just um, waited, and at the end of the one night we were, you know my family, my dad was the sponsoring pastor of the Atlanta meeting. And my dad, um, by then he had moved to a church in Atlanta. And so, um, you know, we, we go out to eat and we're going to go out to eat, take the Hagens out to a steakhouse or something. And, and uh, Brother Hagan said, uh, get in my car and ride with me in Aretha. And I thought, here it comes, here it comes, you know. So I said, okay. So I got in the car with mom and dad Hagen and He said what are you doing this what are you doing you know now in your life and i said working for you if that's what you want you know and he said okay good well then uh, we'll call you next week and you can drive out you know so i loaded up my stuff like a kid off to college and went to tulsa and um and i i in in various ways i served brother hagan as my father in faith till he died, you know, till he went left mm. and went to heaven. So praise God, there's that. And then, uh, you know, so we, we went out there and um, I wasn't even gonna go to Ramah. You know, I was. I didn't even really know a ho- whole lot about Ramah and it, you know, I, well, they got a Bible college, okay, great. And Brother Hagan said to me, well, you might as well go to Bible school while you're here for ministry <laughs> training. I said well i'm not gonna be in the i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be any kind of preacher now i'll play the organ for you but i'm not gonna do it and he's like well i know i know but you know it's good bible training everybody needs a word you know <laughs> kind of thing he was so mm-hmm. cool because he never like threatens you with you know something just kind of cool well, about right. it yeah. yeah so i went to bible school and during that time felt uh you know called of the lord to to minister so but yeah, you mentioned about our family being close to them, uh, very, very much so, and and uh, um, to the extent that you know, at Brother Hagen's funeral, they asked my dad to be one of the speakers, and he he was uh, of all the people that they could ask. We counted it for our family a great honor that my dad was asked to speak, and yeah. and uh, and all that. So. Um, uh, like I said, I was with I was with Brother Hagen the last week that he was alive on Earth, um, you know, and um, I won't go into details on that. But I was with him. And, uh, my mother was actually with him when he passed away and moved mm, to heaven. She, wow. she was serving him breakfast <laughs> uh, and his wife. Yeah. You know, she was all over to cook and help a little bit, and so um, uh, wonderful. Yeah, he, he 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 really he really went the way he said he wanted to. He said, you know, when you get ready to go, you should go sit in your favorite chair and have a breakfast and or whatever. Have breakfast, sit in your favorite chair and wave goodbye to everybody. And that's really basically what he did. His mm-hmm. favorite chair was at the dining room table, so that's where he that's where he went from, you know. But my mom was with him and Aretha was with him, you know, when he passed away. But praise God, you know, uh, Brother Hagen, um and, and to my wife, Scarlett, uh, uh, also uh, a father in the faith and uh, mm. just, you know, I mean, I don't think that we would be doing all that we're doing today uh, if it wasn't for his influence on, on my life. I have no complaints. <laughs> I feel very honored and blessed, you know, to to have had that experience
1: oh no doubt no doubt so that, that's a great story um great experiences how did you transition to your own ministry from from being with brother hagen
0: well at one point i was working at Rama, um you know at the uh, campus there he had a um uh, he had a, a part of the ministry a department called healing school and so i was working in healing school and um teaching um some of the daily classes there and that kind of thing so at one point you know he just talked talked to me and the lord was dealing with me about leaving there and going into my own ministry and so um 1984 um february 10th 1984 i announced that i was you know leaving and would start my own ministry well, you know, some, some, I mean, I've heard horror stories about when a guy does something like that, you know, of being rebuked, and being told you're not ready. And what are you doing? And, you know, you're going to fail and all that. And brother Hagen did the opposite. He, he said, well, the Lord, you, you know, I knew this was coming and, and we want to be a blessing to you. So, February 10th, uh, that particular year, there was a seminar, I guess it would be what is now Winter Bible Seminar, but I don't know if we called it that or not, but uh, we called it something. (laughs) But there was a big seminar that week, and Brother Hagen, and it was televised, uh, a lot of it. Brother Hagan had me come up on the platform. He said, we're going to send them out. Uh, Seems like they maybe received an offering. I don't know. I mean, it was like a big deal. And Put my picture and an article in the Word of Faith magazine promoting my ministry, which was, you know, to be seen what that was going to look like. But anyway, um, I'm very grateful for the Hagans and for Rama for uh, their, you know, they opened a lot of doors. In other words, that, like Kenneth Hagan's endorsement, opened a lot of doors for me. And I, which I'm grateful for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. One of my favorite stories I tell it so often uh, was when uh, the Godfather of soul, James Brown, and I grew up listening to his music, man. And and, uh, so he came to your meeting. So tell us about that time period where you did the temp meetings with hall of famer, Rosie Greer, I grew up watching him play with the Los Angeles Rams. He was a part of the fearsome foursome, right? Yes. How did you How did you meet Rosie? And and how did you walk us through that that time period of how you all started that
0: that tent crusade? In like the second year that I was out on the field, which was 1985, I um. um I, I felt led to go out and, and, uh, and, and, do tent meetings. And so I had said, uh, that I'm going to start in the toughest neighborhood that I know in America. <laughs> and if I can make it there, you know, kind of like that song, New York, New York, if I can make it there, I can make <laughs> yeah. it.
1: You
0: know? And I felt like if I can be a success in Watts, it was Watts in South central Los Angeles. I thought if i can go there and do a tent meeting and get people saved and healed and delivered then maybe i can go anywhere in the world because that is one of the at that time and you know um uh, great people that live in watts but there's a there's a lot of uh uh uh, economic uh oppression there and depression Mm -hmm. um you know the drug scene has really taken its toll on that community for decades and uh so there's a lot of great people and then there's some folks that aren't so great and they're the ones that give it kind of a you know a tough name uh and that's the same with a lot of cities like detroit and cleveland Mm -hmm. and even new york you know it's just great people live in all kinds of neighborhoods and all kinds of places and then you know you got a few bad apples that uh that you know cause problems but anyway Mm -hmm. i knew Problems, And I knew that the message of the gospel is the only, everybody that tells you that's from a place like that will tell you the only answer to our cities is Jesus. The only answer is the gospel. And uh, the government, you know, tries to help folks. And they, what is it Ronald Reagan said, the nine most terrifying words you'll ever hear is, hello, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. But... Um, <laughs> You know, it's like, what's the price of admission here, you know? But anyway, um, I thought if I can do a meeting in Watts or something like that. So uh, Dr. Fred Price, um, he had uh, a, a, a couple in his church that were very close to us as well. And this woman, she said, uh, he said, "What are you gonna do, David?" And I said, "Well, I'm gonna I'm buying a tent and a truck and everything, and I'm gonna do tent meetings. And I'm gonna start in Watts." And she goes, uh, "She," I said, "You know anybody in Watts that I could connect with? You know, I don't know anything about Watts." And she said, uh, "Yeah." She says, "In fact, he's sitting right over there." And she takes me over there and says, "This is Rosie Greer, and he has a ministry in downtown L.A. and he's." Reaching to that community, you know, with uh, with uh, the gospel, but also trying, you know, jobs programs and computer Mm -hmm. training and some things. You know, he built a building and a center and trying to help folks, you know, out of poverty and out of uh, their situation. And said, I think he would be interested. So she introduces me, and she says, "This is David Horton. He's from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he wants to um, go to Watts with a tent meeting." And that was my introduction to Rosie. And so Rosie said later, <laughs> he has said publicly that he's standing there looking. I mean, he's sitting there, and I'm standing there. Uh, and he says, I see this little skinny white guy. And I used to be skinny. But he says, there was uh, <laughs> the blessing of the Lord, you know, maketh fat and adds no sorrow. Thank but anyway, God. he said, <laughs> he said, <laughs> <laughs> but he said, um, <laughs> Rosie said, I'm looking at this little skinny white guy standing there with little horn-rimmed glasses on with his hair cut, you know, is his little little G.I. Joe haircut. And he says, I'm thinking, they're going to eat you alive in Watts. They're gonna, they're, you're not going to survive. <laughs> five minutes and Watts are having gang wars, you know, the Crips and the Bloods and everybody's shooting and the police won't even go after a while. And, you know, all this. And, uh, and he says, he says, I'm thinking, okay, this is either the boldest guy I've ever met or the craziest. Well, hmm. I think the verdict is still out on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're right.
0: David, you see, both crazy. You know, I don't know. Frankly, <laughs> I mean, that's
1: yeah, you walk that out. line, man. Yeah, <laughs> in between.
0: So, uh, we connected and became instant great friends, and and um, just love, love Rosie. So, anyway, we started doing tent meetings in Watts, and God did some amazing things. I'm going to get to James back to James in a second, but God did some yeah. amazing things in those meetings because the gangs, the Crips and the Bloods, they they had a meeting and said, okay, now there's this tent going up and this tent meeting and it's Rosie Greer. And, but they said, um, what uh, is the worst thing we could do? Uh, we can shoot each other, but if we mess with the church, you know, we're in trouble. So... <laughs> They say, we're not going to mess with this church thing. So they said, <laughs> we're, go- we're calling a truce for the week that the tent's up. And anybody messes with that tent, you're dead. You're just dead. Anybody on either side. So the gangs made a truce and told Rosie, you will, you will have the best security you have ever seen. We didn't have to hire security because the Crips of the Bloods were protecting the tent meeting. That's awesome. You know, it's almost like having mafia protection for your (laughs) your business, you know. We had LA gangs protecting the tent meeting. (laughs) And and they would some of their foot soldiers around the property to to and just they just look at people a certain way, you know, and it's like, I ain't gonna mess with this, you know. So we never had one we never had one thing stolen or tent ropes cut or any threats or any I mean we were we were completely protected.
1: That's cool. Isn't
0: that wild? Oh, it's God. a great we saw so many people saved and drug addicts mm-hmm. delivered and gangbangers put their weapons down and, and 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 some of them are still in the ministry today. And in fact, one guy, uh, Brian Weaver, who w- became very close to the Price family uh, in Los Angeles, and very close to Rosie. In fact, he still sees Rosie about every day. But I mean, he he was the head of one of the gangs and said that he did terrible things. You know, that's just unspeakable. But uh, Christ got a hold of him, and during that time, he was a part of what we what we do, and. Oh, my God, Just like you know people's lives were changed from from me being crazy enough to go to one of the toughest neighborhoods in America. So at any rate, we continued to do these meetings, and so there was some business people in Augusta, Georgia, again, <laughs> back to roots, and said, yeah. uh, uh, bring you you know, let's get a tent or rent a tent or uh, I, I don't know, I had different versions of the tent. Anyway, we put the tent up in Augusta. And uh, somebody said, "Hey, there's a lady that 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 custom makes all of James Brown's outfits that he wears. You know, the Superfly and the collar, <laughs> yeah,
1: and
0: stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and bell bottoms and all that." So said yeah. uh, he. Still, he. I mean, he he performed in that till he you know left the planet, and so she was continuing, and she hand uh tailored you know these clothes and she was a spirit-filled believer and was b- believing god so she mentioned to one of the business people said you know james is in town because his his home was augusta and his his uh office was in augusta said james is in town and we thought maybe rosie could you know reach out to him and maybe he would respond to somebody you know like a peer you know in 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 the industry Cause Rosie was in acting and Hollywood stuff and politics and you know, everything. So, um, that connection happened and there was a, a lunch. <clears throat> so James Brown asked Rosie, he said, uh, what can I do for you? And Rosie said, just show up at the tent meeting and listen to the gospel. And so, we pulled into the tent lot from our hotel was in the car with rosie and his wife margie and and uh and then we you know we pulled into the tent lot and there was a stretched limousine like a mile long like pulled into the tent lot and i said there's james brown he crawled out of the back of that limo and his entourage i mean i don't know how many people were with him you know he had bodyguards and he had uh you know, <laughs> agents, and I don't know who hmm. and uh they kind of sat behind him in the tent in the second row, and we we put James and his wife Adrian on the front row and um now Adrian had been that that wife that he had Adrian brown she had been the makeup artist and hair person for solid gold television show you know the dance show solid Gold. okay and at the same time we had glenn leonard who was the uh, one of the versions of the temptations he was the lead singer for the temptations and his Mm -hmm. wife um um and i think her name was Andrell, or I, i i don't quite remember her name But anyway, his wife was the lead dancer on, (laughs) on solid gold. And she knew Adrian Brown. So it was kind of an interesting connection Mm -hmm. there. So anyway, that night I preached the gospel. I gave an invitation for, um, anybody that would like to, you know, accept Christ and, and, and be saved and born again. And the first hands that went up was James and Adrian Brown and they, they raised their hands. And stood up. They not only they not only raised their hands, but they stood up. Praise God. Well, I went down off the platform and stood right in front of James and his wife, and and I looked and this man is standing there. Like you said, the godfather of soul. I mean, this is he's the big deal. You know, he's an American icon, and he's standing here with tears running down his face. He was so sincere about praying the prayer of to accept christ Mm. and his wife is just a mess you know she's crying and and they're both just you know the gospel just got them it wasn't me because i'm some great i mean it was the gospel message and made i made it so simple that you know well all of his entourage there's behind him and you know they're they're raising their hands and they're all crying and everybody's a mess you know well, we you know we, after the service, we had maybe a bite to eat there, in a hospitality tent or whatever, a little visit, but then, you know, James wanted to get out of there pretty quick. And, um, he thanked me, they got in the car, but his assistant, his, his personal assistant guy handed me a business card and he says, this is James, uh, phone number. He says. Can you come to the office tomorrow he wants to talk to you and i said okay so i go over there to his office and they're ready for me now his office uh all the lighting in the office was neon green like lime green (laughs) and the walls are all of his platinum records you know up and down the hall and then the carpet was leopard like leopard print so This place was like nothing. (laughs) You can imagine what James Brown's decorating, you know, ideas would be. Anyway, it was just, it was just off the wall. So he says, he just wants to talk to you for a few minutes. So I said, all right. So I'm thinking this is going to be 15 minutes, very formal. I walk into his office, which was just a beautiful office. I mean, everything was just immaculate and first class in every way. And uh, I walk in there and hes he wants to talk to me. And for an hour and a half, he poured his heart out to me. Mm. Uh, and one of the things that he said that I wish people could understand, we, we don't need to be judging folks and being angry at them if they do something that we don't think is Christian, you know, enough or right. whatever to uh, pass muster. But, you know, he told me, he said, I, I have, and, and I don't, I think because he's, he's gone to heaven, I can tell this, but he says, I have some serious regrets in my life. And I, uh, that's kind of common for people to share with a pastor. He says, I, I got some serious regrets. And I said, What? Well, he said, one of them is that I ever recorded a song like I'm a sex machine. Because he said, uh, he said, I feel like when we look at the uh, AIDS crisis and um, um, you know, um, sexually transmitted disease, you know, it's rampant, uh, of, among young people. And this was many years ago. And he said, I, uh, I just feel like that I contributed maybe to promiscuity and mm-hmm. some bad behaviors from young people. And he said, they were looking at me. I didn't realize it, but he said, they were looking at me. Like I was like, uh, an example for them to follow. Mm-hmm. So if James Brown is a sex machine and he's, you know, all this. Well, that's how I want to behave. And he said, I feel like I've contributed to the delinquency of minors, you know? And I, and I, I had to, to help him with that and, you know, tell him that, you know, God sees his heart and that, you know, yeah. there's condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And, Thank you, Lord. And he, he just cried. And I mean, he was the most sincere broken man. Uh, in a good way, broken in a good way, you know, before the Lord uh, contrite. And and then um, he got his wife on the phone because uh, she had left or flown out that morning to L.A. or somewhere. And uh, she told me, she said, I, I don't understand why somebody hasn't already told us what you preached last night. and
1: uh, And he hung out with preachers during that time.
0: I know, but you know what he told me? He told me this too. I walked in. He said, "What can I do for you?" And I said, "Nothing. You can't do anything for me." Uh, what do you mean? He goes, "You're the first preacher that's ever walked in my office that didn't ask me for money." Wow. Wow. And I, I apologized to him on behalf of my my fellow ministers. I said, "I am sorry." He said, "Yeah, they come in here and." you know, we need a new roof on the church and we need a PA system and we need, you know, a TV camera or whatever. He said, they always, they always got their hand out. I said, I don't want your money. So sad. So that's, you know, sometimes you have to be, you know, and some people will ask me, well, where's your photograph, you know, with you and James. And, and I said, well, I'm careful. I, you know, you know, I've been around a lot of famous people and I don't ask for their, for their, you know, to have a picture made with them or whatever. Because then at that point, you kind of become a fan instead of Mm -hmm. the the trusted friend that they need. Yeah, that's six Anyway, later, Adrian died. His wife died six months later in, in Los Angeles. I was in Peru. She was, uh, she died from some surgery complications. And I was in Peru, and uh, I called Rosie Greer on the phone from my hotel in Peru, in Lima. And I said, I was watching the news. You know, the American news was on. And I said, I was watching the news, ABC News or whatever. It said Adrian Brown has died. And they showed James on the sidewalk in front of the Cedar Sinai Hospital. And I said, "Uh, Rosie, do you realize that if we wouldn't have gone to Augusta and preached and that was her only opportunity to hear the gospel and accept Jesus and i said it's tragic that she's passed away but thank god she's with jesus she's in heaven yes. so that's when the whole tent meeting becomes worth it
1: yes yeah oh man that's so amazing what a great story didn't james didn't james get on the radio he had a radio uh, yes. broadcast station. in Augusta. Didn't he get on the station and, yeah. and tell people to come to the tent meeting?
0: Well, I think that's why he wanted to leave pretty quick. He he, he went by the station on the way home from the tent meeting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he went on there and he said, Hey, this is Jane Brown, Godfather of Soul. You know how he talks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything's a scream. I can hear, hear it. <laughs> so he said he said hey uh, this is james brown i'm the god the godfather of soul and it was his radio station. he owned the whole thing the he owns everything you know he owned you know the transmitter the tower the building you know he didn't mess around with renting anything from anybody so he he gets i'm the godfather of soul and he says i'm telling you i I've been out there at that tent meeting on Gordon highway. And he said, I have been touched by God. If you want to get touched by God, go out there and and go to that tent meeting. (laughs) The next night, the whole, the whole, the whole tent is packed with black people. I mean, all of Augusta black people came out to our tent meeting. (laughs) I love it. We really really had a meeting, you know, I mean.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. You know, that's awesome.
0: So it was great. He, he he blew up my meeting in a good way, you know?
1: <laughs> wow. Man, that is so awesome. That's one of my <laughs> favorite stories of all time, brother. Yeah, yeah, the impact that you made on his life, Adrian's life, uh, yeah, and that city and, and all the places where you went to, yeah. um, you guys went with those meetings. Um, I, uh, you told me Rosie, he knows everybody, right? And, and he He got you into the White House. Tell us about that.
0: Well, (laughs) Rosie, um, actually, we were doing a tent meeting in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, Nancy Reagan's mother had passed away. She was in a nursing home there. Edie Davis was her name. She was also a Hollywood movie star. You know, Nancy Reagan, uh, Nancy Davis, she was um, a movie star, and so was Ronald Reagan but anyway this was back when reagan was president like this is like 1986 something like that and um <laughs> so we're in phoenix and rosie gets a call from the white house uh, uh, elaine somebody she was uh ronald reagan's personal assistant and she says rosie we we uh, where are you and he says well i'm in phoenix and oh good because nancy wants you to come and talk to her you know and and help her you know her mother's died and long story short we get invited to the well he gets invited to the funeral at a catholic church there in um in phoenix um it's funny because edie was not uh, the the reagan's were not catholic they were presbyterians (laughs) but but, um but um edie liked this priest and liked the social work and all that he did so she kind of Ended up going to church there and said that was where she wanted to have her funeral. So anyway, we go to this funeral and I mean everybody's there at this funeral. The president, his, you know, uh, Nancy uh, and um, and um, Rosie invited me to go with him. Hey, you want to go to this funeral? I said, yeah. Well, that of course they had to have my social security number and run it through all the things and you now and make sure you pass secret service muster you know to get in anyway so we go and i'm with rosie you know sitting here at this funeral and everybody starts turning around and pointing there, there's rosie greer there's rosie greer you know <laughs> rosie was kind of a big deal you know yeah, in that time he, he was kind of a big deal very famous so we're, we're sitting there and two rows up is um, wayne newton and you know his uh, current girlfriend or whatever and so he he's sitting there, and turns around and, and 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 sees Rosie and kind of waves Wayne Newton, you know. And so he yeah. he says po- he pokes the girlfriend with the elbow and he says, he points and says like, "There's Rosie Greer." So Wayne Newton's girlfriend passes a note and says, "Can I have your autograph?" <laughs> <laughs> so Rosie finding autograph during the Reagan funeral thing. At- <laughs> The mother in law you know, and uh, so then we get invited to a private reception at a home in Biltmore Estates, which is the the amazing old money neighborhood of Phoenix, you know. So we go up there and man, this was cool because about 80 of us, uh, I, I figured about 60 to 80 people maybe, you know, that's in this home, this really nice home for a reception. I mean, they got the presidential limousine sitting out front and the secret service and everybody. So that I got Rosie inter, introduced me to Ronald Reagan and to, um, to Nancy and, and, uh, anyway, there's, there's a lot of little mini stories there, but you know, some of the families that w- I got to meet were the Wrigley's and, um, they had a, they have the Wrigley mansion there and, um, uh, the Goldwaters and, you know, the, the political and business people and then the hollywood people were there so here's a little funny story i'm in the i'm in the buffet line with my food you know for some you know at post funeral food so i'm having a, the president's post funeral food is quite different than any other funeral food i've had
1: <laughs> i bet
0: there was no uh you know there was no stouffer's lasagna with the you know. anyway <laughs> you know it was it was a little better than that but anyway i've got, and i've got i've got this porcelain plate you know it's got the white house thing on it. i mean i wonder if i could steal this you know and i could always use first on one nine and then still have it you know i don't know anyway i've got, I've got, my, got my plate and i and, uh, got my food and then the kind of the way the house was it was a little bad planning for the food line because i get here and i'm stuck in the corner and there's this little short lady right in front of me you know and i'm thinking and she's just yammering on and yelling and and uh, arms flailing, and you know little little blonde hollywood looking lady you know in front of me mm-hmm. and i'm thinking who is this That's and i'm stuck in this corner with this lady and i can't get my food and i just have to be patient <laughs> and i look down and it's it's ava gabor I'm stuck wow. in the corner with Ava Labore, and she's yelling, "Merv, Merv, Merv," you know, for Merv Griffin, you know, her, her, her boyfriend forever. Anyway, so I'm thinking, "Oh my God, I'm stuck in the corner with Ava. Nobody's going to believe this," you know. <laughs> wow, I've had friends to tell me, "Oh, David, stop talking. You're you're just making this all up. You're crazy." <laughs> <laughs> well, it may be crazy but this really happened. <laughs> anyway, I appreciate Rosie so much and he he loves to tell if we if, if we're together, he'll bring up all these stories, you know, and want to talk mm. about it. He he just thinks that's fantastic and you know, we had some in, interaction with um Nancy Sinatra and you know, just all these people that mm. Rosie knew and uh and uh introduced me to, so so the White House, I almost went to the White House with Rosie uh, because the the next year was like the Super Bowl. And the, the president wanted Rosie to come. He said he could bring somebody to the White House because uh, Ronald Reagan wanted to watch the Super Bowl with Rosie sitting next to him to tell him what's happening.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So. I couldn't go because of a conflict in scheduling, and I I wish I would have canceled whatever I had. But, you know, we got it beat into us. Well, you know, you keep your word no matter what, which is true, and thank God. But, you know, I I missed the opportunity. But the funny thing is, is I was in Rosie's condo in in L.A. when the phone call came from Ronald Reagan, you know, to come Mm -hmm. to to the White House and watch the Super Bowl. So he agreed to do it. Well, the next phone call, maybe 15, 20 minutes later, it's uh, Vice President George Bush. He wants Rosie to come to the Vice President's uh, mansion and watch the Super Bowl with him at his party. So Rosie said, well, I'm sorry, I can't. I just, you know, Reagan and (laughs) the President invited me to the White House. So what happened is... George Bush called Ronald Reagan and said, can I come to your party? I want to sit by Rosie.
1: <laughs> wow, that's crazy.
0: No, <laughs> so he said, yeah, you can come. <laughs> anyway, it's like guys hanging out, you know, but at the White House. That's pretty neat, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. that's really cool, man. Well, David, um, bring us up to current day. What you're doing? Um, you told me the other day that you just got back from a mission trip. Uh, tell us about that, and uh, what's going on in your ministry today.
0: My wife, Scarlett. Uh, and by the way, any of your uh, uh, any of our audience today that wants to read more about our ministry, you can go to HortonMinistries.com. dot com. Horton Ministries. That's right. Ministries.com. and uh, you, you can you know connect there with all that we're doing if you want to see what's happening. But uh, we just got back from a, a, an exciting mission trip to Western and part of Eastern Europe and uh, preached in Portugal, Spain, Romania, and then finally in the Great Britain on our way out. But the Romania, I want to talk about the Romanian church and I mean, we did meetings in like theaters and hotel ballrooms and things that were preset for us in places that did not have what you would call a straight on full gospel church. And um, every place we went was packed. The people were so hungry for God. I mean, revival is happening in Romania. I understand Hungary, Albania, all those Eastern blocks you know, countries that we worked our way through. We were right at the Ukrainian border when we are for our last night. Praise and uh, Yeah. So we were pretty close to some action, you know, as yeah. far as, you know, the world scene, but, uh, they were wanting us to come back. And, you know, so Scarlett, um, actually preached, uh, uh, a, she has a great word and, um, revelation on, um, uh, prosperity and, uh, um, uh, we're that we're, we're graced to prosper. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she preached that and prayed prosperity prayers for the people there, you know, cause sometimes people, folks will say, well, you know, you're going to some, some folks that are poor or, you know, disadvantaged in some way, you know, does the prosperity message work for them? You know? And it's like, yes. Because it's all included in the finished work of Christ, and so if it doesn't work for them, it works for no one. It, it's got to it's got to be universal, right. or something wrong with the doctrine. So anyway, uh, and then we saw so many every and every night. Uh, I would have Scarlet also um, pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we'd ask, how many here want a baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in with evidence of speaking in other tongues, initial evidence of speaking in other tongues? And it's like every hand would go up. Like you just pray for them in mass. Uh, I mean, almost everybody wanted to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that something? Yes, and yes. and just instantly spoken in tongues. You know, we didn't tell them they had to clean up their life first and act mm-hmm. better and you know, whatever but uh, we just (laughs) said, this is a second blessing, a gift. And so we pray the sinner's prayer and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then finally a prayer for healing. And I mean, we had people getting out of wheelchairs and walking and, you know, the the finished work of Christ's message, uh, it works like amazingly well for miracles and, and- Yeah done. You know, If you can get a person to believe that it's done, all they have to do is receive it Mm -hmm. Uh, instead of, you know, I have friends that's written stuff like getting in the position to be healed and it's like, oh, well then let's write a book called Getting in the Position to Get Saved. What position do you need to get in to get saved? Mm -hmm. Because if it works for healing, it has to work for salvation and vice versa, or there's something wrong with your doctrine. So we don't have to clean up and act better to receive from the Lord. Right. While we were sinners, Christ died. Don't get me started, mm-hmm. brother. No,
1: go ahead, man. Go ahead.
0: Ephesians 8 is, I, I call that the kind of the foundation of the ministry is, um, you know, we're saved by grace through faith. The through faith part's not difficult. You just use your faith that God's given you to accept the finished work of Christ, simple. And uh, sometimes folks hear the word faith and they think, oh boy, is that going to be an effort? You know, I'm going to have to, Mm. you know, make all these confessions and do all these things. Well, there's nothing wrong with making confessions. You're making a confession. If you're talking, you're making a confession. So that's not like difficult. Mm. Well, I don't know if I can confess all that. Well, you're already confessing something. Now look at your life. <laughs> Do you like what you have? Like normal used to say, if you don't like what you have, say start saying something different than what you're saying. You know, <laughs> so you're talking anyway. We're all talking anyway. Blah 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 blah. We might as well talk the word and let our faith work. So faith yes. is not some horrible struggle. I know there's some preachers of grace. I, I guess you would call them who who they, they flinch at the word faith. They don't, they, they don't like Mm -hmm. faith. They, uh, as if faith is, is going to lead to dead works and be an effort. But, um, no faith is a blessing, you know, because I can leave something different than what I'm seeing and I can say something different than what I'm seeing and change it. What a blessing. Why, how, how is that a hard old way effort? You know, trying to get mer- if you're if you're using it for merit, if you're using your faith to merit something from God, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. But He's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, anyway, that's one of our you know our we have a magazine that we put out um, quarterly, uh, and the name of it is uh, Grace and Faith Journal because we believe both sides of that. Yes, <laughs> both sides of the same scripture, same breath. You know. And I like to do a little English lesson here, where it says, you know, uh, grace and faith. So if you have the word "and," you know, what whatever words are on each side of that "and" are are equally important. You know,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah. So faith and grace work together, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You mentioned you mentioned the the finished work. Um, Yep. What what is that for those of uh, those in the audience that this may be the first time they're hearing that term finished work. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean by that?
0: Well, uh, Jesus died on the cross for us and not only paid the price for sin, he was the price for sin because Galatians three says that, um, he, he, he became sin for us. And so, Mm He, he became the curse. He, he, he didn't just pay the price for the curse. He was the curse. The Bible says he became a curse because of the declaration cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And so Jesus became our price that was set to be paid for our sins, for our healing, for everything that redemption has, has has bought us. And so he really drove this home when some of his final recorded words, what I say recorded, somebody wrote it down. It's in the Bible. Um, he said it is finished. Yes. Well, what finished, you know, then you ask, well, what it is finished. What's it, what is it, what is it (laughs) that's finished. And, um, what's finished is, uh, one thing, the law is finished. Cause he said, I have come not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Well, if you fulfill your obligation, that means that obligation is done. It's finished. There's no more to be paid on that bill or I fulfilled, you know, if you, if you have a car payment or whatever, and you pay that last payment, you know, it's, it's, it's stamped as paid or contract ended or whatever. You fulfilled what you agreed to do, so Jesus agreed to go to the cross, and he fulfilled it. He fulfilled the demands of the law were met, the uh, the, the, the demands of sin, and the price to be paid were met. The devil couldn't show back up in, in God's face and say, "You're you're not playing fairly," because you know all these people should be cursed for their sin and their wrongdoing. So therefore, you know, um, you're, not, you're not being honest. And if God's word fails at any point, I mean, the universal blow part, everything's held together by his words. And so Jesus declared it. I always say in three worlds, heaven, earth, and hell, he declared all of the law's demands, or, you know, doing this and not doing that, have been met for humanity. And so he declared it is finished. Sin is sin, and its claim is finished. Everything's finished. So now all you have to do is accept that. You know, Second Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 says, um, in the Amplified, is classic Amplified, says that um, come freely and accept this gift of grace now offered actually accepting christ means i've accepted his finished work what he did for me on the cross i am accepting that as payment for my sin so um i don't have to promise to do better i don't have to swear off this and whatever i just need to accept that work for my life and, uh receive all the benefits that come with that you know so uh I think finished work uh there's a Greek word called to telesty to telesty and um I understand that even now and you know some words fall out of use in normal language like King James English you know but in Greek and in 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 in, in older days um the um business people use the word to telesty with a big stamp. Uh it went on a like a contract that's finished. Paid. It's just, we would call it paid or paid in full. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen old rubber stamps that they used to put on mm-hmm. contracts. Well, this one says to telesty in Greek. Of course, Jesus didn't say the word to telesty, like literally, like a Greek word out of the air. It would have been the Aramaic. Um, equivalent, but he said essentially the same thing it is or we would say it is finished. but see it is finished for us, does not have the same weight as the Greek word to totelesty because what it means is not only is it finished, it can never be more finished. <laughs> now think about that only finished yeah, but you can't yeah, add something to, it to make it better like the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and adds no sorrow to it but or makes fat and adds no sorrow to it but uh in in you know other translations it'll say and, and there's the blessing of the lord is like perfect and there's nothing human effort can do to add to it and make it any better so now we have jesus saying not only is all this demand finished and redemption finished salvation and healing and blessing and prosperity. Not only are all these blessings finished, but they're as finished as they will ever be. And they can never be more finished than they are right now. And it'll never be any better than right now. Yeah. As far as the work.
1: That's so good. That's so good. I like
0: that word in our church foyer, uh, when you walk in, there's this big sign that says, uh, to tell So, um, you know, we're, I, people, I'm sure they walk in and go, is that other tongues? What is that? You know, <laughs> what is other tongues. It's, it's Greek.
1: That's good, man. Hey, David, uh, I'm going to ask you one more thing before I let you go. So. When Jesus said it's finished, it means the law is finished. You also mentioned, you know, our healing's finished, prosperity's finished. Yeah. So can you tell us, um, and I want to know this question for myself, being, having the law finished and healing finished, prosperity finished, how does having the law finished relate to Prosperity and healing being finished. What What's the connection, if you understand my, my question?
0: Well, because, you know, the word salvation is again from a Greek word, sozo or solteri, solteria, which means uh, it's an all inclusive term. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes we break it up in trying to teach people, you know, all the benefits of, 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 of salvation and redemption right so we say well this this is what salvation means this is healing this is prosperity it's really all the same redemptive work and um so i don't have to sure there can be an you know i've i've said for years and i still stand by it obedience to the command of faith that comes from the heart uh, or the word is the catalyst to miracles because, you know, when Jesus was healing the sick and he never did anything out of faith, He, in other words, he never did anything out of dead works because if he would have, he would have been in sin and he would, then that would have proved he's not the Messiah. Whatever is not a faith is sin. So here's Jesus. And every time he healed the sick or whatever, he told them, rise take up your bed and walk stretch forth your hand uh go show yourself to the priest go wash in the pool of Siloam. whatever you know he would give them a command of faith um and in the old testament you know the prophet tells uh, the syrian go dip in jordan seven times and you'll come out clean And i'm you know to, i i'm wondering today with some of the teaching that's out would somebody would have said, well, that's not grace. I'm not doing that. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to do anything. I don't you know, but, I, you know, but it, it's like, well, it's just, it's just obeying and, and the word obey and obedience is not a bad word. It's not like it's the O word, you know, some curse right, word. You know, the, right.
1: Then Romans uh, talks about the obedience of faith.
0: Yeah, so yeah. you're 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 looking for the answer, you're wanting the manifestation, and then the Lord will tell you. I mean, I've, we've had like you were saying, how does it relate to prosperity? Well, the Lord will give you ideas, like business ideas, and I know that I know that you and and Carla have done amazing things with business because you you know you have ideas and you follow it. Well, that idea you could almost would say is a command of faith. You're praying, Lord, I need more. I need more income. I want to live a better lifestyle. I want to, you know, do, do more things in the kingdom. And the Lord says, well, here's what you could do. You could, you know, you could start an exercise business or you could do, you know, you could do something um, that that maybe is a little unconventional other than just pastor of the church and show up at the office, you know, so, you know, you, you, you can add to what you're doing and add another stream of income. And you were asking, how does it work for prosperity? I think that's it. Listening to the command of faith or, you know, um, writing a letter or sending a text or making a phone call or whatever you need to do. Uh, for, cause the Lord's saying, I've got this blessing for you, but I need you to cooperate with me to get it to manifest Mm -hmm. well if that's dead works then we're i don't i guess we're all dead in the water but i you know i just think that um there's the dead works would be you know dead works are are more like doing some repetitive thing to get god to maybe bless me and Mm -hmm. um you know or i'm gonna you know you can make going to church on wednesday night a dead work if you want to uh, or tithing or giving, you can make it a dead work if you want to, but it doesn't have to be like that. It can be praise God. There's a blessing in this and I'm going to participate with the spirit. Like, like, you know, it's, it would be like, um, a, a, a millionaire or a billionaire calling you on the phone and saying, Hey, I've got a business opportunity. We're going to be meeting at the steakhouse for lunch. And I'd like to invite you. It's very limited. Uh, uh, if you got a, you know, a few dollars to invest, I think this is an opportunity and you go, I I ain't doing that. I'm trusting God. And here's God trying to get you, you know, better connected and hooked up. And you're being like weird, you know, about it, (laughs) it's the same with healing, you know? Well, I've got to make a list of everybody I need to f- ask forgiveness from and all that. And then the Lord will heal me. Well, I've seen people make their list and call everybody and confess all kinds of stuff. And then <laughs> they still don't get healed. <laughs> and like Fred Price used to say, some of you, the more you do, the further away from it you get because you're <laughs> trying to work it and make it happen. You know,
1: <laughs> it made me think about a guy that I went to school with at Rama And after we had graduated, we stayed in touch and I was, I was praying and he called one day and you're you old enough to remember the landlines at home.
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> so
1: he called on the landline and, um, so Carlos <laughs> said, uh, Al's praying. Uh, and he said, well, tell him I got the answer.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> But, well. but anyway, David, I'm going to let you go, man. This was really great stuff. You mentioned your website. We're going to put it in the show notes. Okay. And uh so people know how to connect with you. And, uh, but before I let you go, I'd like for you to, is Scarlett around? Is she? Looking? Yeah, she's right here. Yeah. You mentioned that she's, she's she talks coming. about prosperity. Uh, I had this in my heart to just, hey, Scarlett. Uh, I want Aye. you to, w- would you honor us with uh, just praying over us and everybody in the audience and, and just uh, concerning uh, prosperity, what they're believing for, and just what, what, whatever you want to pray about, just
2: uh, go for it. All righty. We'll do it. Let's pray. Father, we can just thank you that you are a God of provision, abundant provision, and that you care so much for your children, your people. We thank you, Lord, today for those who might be struggling financially, who might have a, a great amount of debt in their lives, or um, Father, maybe they just have challenges right now. And, and we pray, first of all, for them. And we, we look to you, Father, and we thank you uh, that the the word is so clear that you meet all of the needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that's upon your people. Grace to prosper. That that same uh, grace that was upon our Lord Jesus Christ um, is upon us now because of his sacrifice and that he was uh poor he was made to be poor so that we might be rich and so we that promise today lord and we thank you that you move in in mighty ways doing mighty miracles of provision for everyone listening today we expect it and we thank you lord in jesus name amen amen i receive that i love that The word lambano is a Greek word for
1: receiving. And uh,
0: y'all receive that,
1: praise God, and expect, right? Yes. Y'all look so cute, (laughs) snuggled up there together. (laughs) It's like y'all are having fun, enjoying life together. Yes, praise God. Well, hey, we're going to let you go, David. Scarlett, thanks for for that prayer. David, thank you for sharing with us. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining Yes, God bless you. All right.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today for the Living by Grace podcast. You are greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved, totally righteous, and destined to win because of Jesus. Have an amazing day.